0: Please turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. We are coming to the end of this mini-series that I have entitled, The Life That Pleases God. And uh, today we're going to talk about learning to trust God. (laughs) Okay, Uh, (laughs) I want to start, let's just begin. Let's start in Matthew chapter 6. I want to begin in verse 25 today. Jesus says, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. For is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Isn't it interesting how we just worry about secondary things so much? And Jesus says, don't lose focus on what is actually important. You know, we worry about what we want to wear. Be thankful that you have a healed body. (laughs) You know, (laughs) what you're putting on it isn't as important as it. And, uh, you know, I I think if we were just to pay a little bit more attention to that, we'd be praying more about health than about clothing. Amen. Amen. And um, the same goes for your life. Uh, I I, I like... um, (laughs) William MacDonald says this. I've got so much here, I'm just trying to sift through it. He says, this type of worry causes us to devote our finest energies to making sure that we will have enough to live on. Then before we know it, our lives have passed and we have missed the central purpose for which we were made. Isn't that interesting? You know, that's one of the things that we need to be so careful about, that we are not so busy in the moment that we miss our entire life, that we miss what we were meant to do, that we miss our destiny, our calling. Amen? That we miss opportunity to do something, not just for ourselves, but for others as well. We miss the opportunity to be a blessing not always look to be blessed. Do you understand when he says, you know, don't worry about your life and your clothing, it's all about you. <laughs> Are you? All, did you, Do you see that? Yeah, yeah. Amen. And so he's saying, look, you know, stop looking inward so much, look outward. And looking outward also does something else. You stop looking at yourself and you begin to look at God. Amen. Yeah, and what he will do, he, we're going to get to that anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, I like the literal text. It actually says, Jesus actually says, if you have already fallen into it, then break this habit. Stop being anxious. Isn't that good? If you've already fallen into it, he says, break this habit. You know, it's habitual. Worry is a habitual thing. (laughs) People worry all the time. And he says, you just need to break that. William Hendrickson says the word used in the original um, for being anxious means being distracted. I think this is so important. Like Martha, whose attention was divided to such an extent that she, for a while, forgot about the one thing needful. Now, I think this is a real key thing as well that we need to look at. You know, worry is also about being distracted. And we need to, you know, I think we need to take a moment. Let's let's go to Luke chapter 10 and have a look at this incident. Luke chapter 10, I want to begin reading in verse 38. It says, Now it happened that as they went, that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Verse 39. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now notice that, Initially, both Mary and Martha are sitting at Jesus' feet. This is where we all start. Hopefully we start there, (laughs) okay? I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. Verse 40, but Martha was distracted. Now see, she lost her focus. What are you doing when you're praying? You know, when you're at Jesus' feet, when you're praying, do you, you begin with your eyes on him and then... You know, as the, as the clock ticks on, your eyes start to go off him and you start worrying about things. Really, you need to ask yourself, are you a Mary or a Martha in this situation? <laughs> okay, Because Mary kept her focus. Martha allowed her focus to wander. One of the most difficult things, I don't know, I'll put my hand up on this one. One of the most difficult things to do is, you know, when you decide you want to pray, have you, you know, come to that place where you said, that's it, I'm going to pray now. You know, I've been distracted all day, I'm going to just sit and pray. And dear God, half an hour later, you're just going to think, oh, I'm meant to be praying. You're there, but you're not there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> And you think, what happened? And you go, well, there goes my prayer time. <laughs> Who can put their hand up? All right, only I'm honest. All right, never mind. Okay, so, yeah, no, you did. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think, you know, isn't, this is what it's talking about. Instead of spending time looking at God, instead of us seeing him, I mean, literally, really seeing Him. Seeing, seeing Him as our Father. Seeing Him as the person that will look after whatever problem we're going through. Seeing Him as the solution to whatever question that we have. Whatever situation we're dealing with. Instead of looking at that, we look at the problem. Verse forty, but Martha was distracted. She lost her focus with much serving, and she approached him and said, "Lord, do you not care?" Isn't this interesting? <laughs> she said to him, "Don't you care? what is she? What is he going to do? He's teaching. See how she's dis- she not only got distracted herself, now she's distracting him, and she's distracting everybody there. Are, are you getting this?" Our distraction usually leads to everybody else being distracted as well. That's why we need to be careful <laughs> that we're not distracted because we have an effect on others. Especially when we make it public. Okay. <laughs> she could have whispered this, but no. Okay. So she's, And she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Yeah, yes, and Jesus goes, yes, excuse me, let me stop this Bible study and this, uh, you know, uh, time we're spending with God so I can tell Mary's, oh, Martha's sister, to go help her. <laughs> can you see something here? I, you know, I'm making a big deal out of it, but I need you to see something. We always want everybody to know we're having a problem. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because if we're having a problem, everybody else should have a problem too. <laughs> okay. all right. Take, do, now, don't get all, you know, self-conscious and everything else. I'm not thinking about anybody. No. Seriously. Okay, because I know somebody's thinking. I'm, no, I'm not. All right. So <laughs> Verse, did I get to the end? Therefore, tell her to help me. Verse 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, watch what Jesus says. Martha. Martha, you are worried, the literal word means anxious, and troubled about many things. is this interesting? Watch now, verse 42, one thing is needed, not the worry. He says, and Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. He's saying, listen. You were receiving the answer when you got distracted. Had you sat there, you would have heard what you needed. Can I ask you a question? Was Jesus able to multiply anything that was given to him? Okay, this is the guy that fed 5,000. I don't think 5,000 people fitted into Martha's home. Okay, <laughs> okay. Had, Ma- had Martha been sitting there... I will bet you anything that Jesus would have perceived if she sat there and thought, okay, I must not be distracted. Yes, I do want to serve everybody. Yes, I do want to look after people, but I am receiving so much right now. I really don't want to leave, you know, the presence of God. I don't want to be a distraction. Had that thought gone through her mind, remember Jesus knows the thoughts of everyone. He would have picked up on it. And he would have looked at her and said, Martha, don't worry. He would just stop for a second because Jesus does that. Jesus will stop in the middle of everything to, to heal someone, to speak to someone, to encourage someone. He does that all the time. He would have stopped right in the middle and said to Martha, don't worry. Bring me something. I'll multiply it. We'll be right. Go back and sit down. You've chosen the right thing. And that would have been another story that we would have had in the Bible. Amen. Amen. And then everybody would have thought, "Whoa, that's, that's the way to go. All right. So <laughs> when we are anxious and worried, we lose our focus. And we begin to accuse the Lord of not caring. And you know what? Without realizing it, we just announce to the whole world that God doesn't really care. When in fact the opposite is true. Amen. I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 5 because I just want to... Just sharing a couple of things here. First, Peter chapter 5 tells us that God cares for us. But in order to benefit from this, we must also do what all the verses around it tells us to do. Okay? We love verse 7, you know, casting all our care upon him. Let's start in verse 6, shall we? <laughs> okay. First of all, the apostle Peter is writing. And I think this is very significant that Peter writes this. Therefore, humble yourself. You know Pete, right? Yeah, I thought of that first. (laughs) You know, I'm the one that he was the son of God. (laughs) Two seconds later, get thee behind me, Satan, you know. But we won't talk about that. Uh, So, (laughs) So 1 Peter 5, verse 6, he says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He didn't just say, under God's hand. He said the mighty hand of God. Do you understand? He isn't talking about mighty hand that's going to squash you. He's saying mighty hand that's going to protect you. Mighty hand that's going to provide for you. Amen. Amen. You are not just submitting yourself to something that can't look after you. He's saying you submit yourself knowing that what you're submitting to is so much greater, not only than you, that, than everything and anything that can come against you. Amen. Do you get the revelation? And therefore he says, therefore humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he, watch this, may put you down and beat you down and keep you humble. Because that's what the preachers preach. <laughs> okay. Uh, it doesn't say that. That's the new revised messed up version. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the Bible says something else. It says, if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, what He says, he will exalt you that he may exalt you in due time. In due time. in Not in your time. Yeah. Amen. It doesn't say your, it says due. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because there's a problem when you get exalted in your time. And I don't need to go into that. All right. And now watch all of this. And then he says, casting all your care upon him. For he does care for you. I'm adding the word does, okay? Because I want to make a point. He does care for you. It's not that he doesn't care. Remember Martha said, don't you care? he does care but you need to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God allow him to exalt you in due time casting all your cares upon him because he does care for you he cares what you're going through he cares whatever problem you're dealing with he does care and watch this now it says verse 8 be sober be vigilant because your adversary oh here we go we have an adversary Oh, brother, I don't believe in that. Doesn't matter, he'll still attack you. (laughs) Only problem is you like the guy that's walking around and somebody hits him over the head and goes, what, where would that come from? (laughs) Oh, it's my imagination. Oh, that can kill you. Isn't it interesting that Peter, the apostle of the Roman church, the Catholics, said, you have an adversary? He's out to get you. Amen? See, can I give you a revelation? It doesn't matter what you believe. What's real is what matters. What's real is you have an adversary. Yeah, but my theology it doesn't matter. What's real is you have an adversary. Ah, but I don't want to no, know, but what's real is you have an adversary. Watch. In... Not only do you need to know that you have an adversary, it says, watch. He says, be sober, be vigilant. You won't be sober and vigilant if you don't acknowledge you have an adversary. Right. Do you get that? Because see, what can I just say what happens here? And the reason why we are so full of care is that we think we think that God is in charge of everything. If he was in charge of everything, Peter would never say this. He would never bring up that you have an adversary. He would never say for you to be sober, be vigilant. He would say, don't worry about it. You know, God's got it all in hand. I mean, you're a child of God. I mean, sure, the world has got a problem, but you're a child of God. Don't worry about anything. Don't be sober. Don't be vigilant. devil can't touch you. And they get shocked when something bad happens to a Christian. But they were a Christian. So what? The devil didn't check your badge before he attacked. I can just see him. He's about to attack him. I go, Oh, that's a Christian. Oh, we can't touch him. Let's go find somebody else. Never happens. He just goes, oh, I want that. Only problem is when he gets to it. You know, if it's like Av or... London or something, he suddenly goes, oh, what's this armor? And what's all this stuff? And oh, dear God, I picked the wrong one today. <laughs> you know? They're using a sword. <laughs> so that, that's when he ticks you off and goes, don't touch this one. This is a place you don't want to go to. Listen, that's only when you're sober, when you're vigilant, when you know you have an adversary. And you don't let him get away with things. Anyway, he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, now watch, listen carefully, walks about like a roaring lion. He didn't say he was a roaring lion. He said he's like a roaring lion. The only lion that we are told of is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Amen. The lion that looks after us. He's not like a lion. He is a lion. Chew this one right up. <laughs> Amen. Okay. But watch this. He says, Your adversary, again, you have an adversary. All right. The devil identifies who it is. It's not the in laws, it's a devil. Okay. <laughs> he says, Because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion. Now, watch seeking whom he may devour. If he sees you worrying, he knows you're one of them. That's right. That's why Jesus is saying, Don't worry. Don't you understand that your life is worth more than your clothing? Do you get this now? He's saying, do you get it? This is what we're really talking about. If you want to put clothing on, put on the whole armor of God. That's the clothing you should be you know, uh, thinking about wearing every morning and making sure you got that on before you leave the house. Because your fashion isn't gonna do anything to stop the devil. You're not gonna walk out in the gym and the devil go, whoa, girl, whoa! Oh, Ooh, too hot to touch. I'll leave you alone because you look too good to mess with. As if. What do we think? I mean, you know, where does our brain go some days? Oh, if I dress well enough, the devil will leave me alone. I wish. Okay. Oh, I've be in big trouble. Anyway. <laughs> do you understand this? It's, that's what he's saying. It's more, your life is worth more. You, you, you got your eyes on the wrong thing. Amen. Keep your eyes on your life. <sighs> so, what, so what are we meant to do with this adversary? that's seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9. Resist him. Don't. Ignore him. Don't make a doctrine to say he doesn't exist. Don't believe in other people's doctrines that say he doesn't exist. If he didn't exist, who tempted Jesus? What happened there? Oh, he was out in the desert too long. He was hallucinating. No, <laughs> okay. Okay. Listen, man, he dealt with him. In fact, everywhere he went, whenever he saw him, he cast him out. He didn't chat to him. He cast him out. You never talk to the snake. Because he'll lie, always. Now watch, he says, resist him. Steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. In other words, saying, listen, man, this is no different to anybody. Don't do, do the Elijah thing. I'm the only one that's suffering. See, Lord, it's me. Yes, once again. (laughs) Don't do that. Just know we're in a battle. You're fighting together. The body of Christ is resisting this thing and should be as a body resisting this thing. And you know, when, and, and the other thing that you need to understand is that because others have similar situations, just know that they're probably praying for you. Because so much of the time, you know, you're dealing with something of yourself. And sometimes, you know, you're in prayer and God says, you know, pray for those people as well. You know, as much as you're going through, you know what problems they're having. You have no idea who's praying for you. Amen? That's why He says, don't think you're by yourself in this. You are not. You're in good company, <laughs> okay? And we will win. Hallelujah. Therefore, verse 25, I'm back in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. He says, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and again the body more than clothing. Let's continue on. Look at the birds. Now see, he's going to take draw their attention to something. He says, Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns. For your heavenly father feeds them. For your heavenly... I want you to notice something very significant. There's a word there you need to pick up on. And the word is, your heavenly father feeds them. He didn't say, their heavenly father feeds them. You left out now. He's saying, your heavenly father, your dad, your heavenly father, he... Feeds them. He wants to make a point. He's saying, if your father feeds them who are far less worth than you are, we're making a point here. He's saying, listen, as much as we love those little birds, and I love little birds, I'll try to swerve and miss everybody, and you know, okay, but I'm just saying, he's making a point now. He's saying, look at the birds. They were in a place where birds would migrate through that place. That's the reason why he could look up. You know, today we look up and go, where is it? <laughs> he, oh, died of smog. Anyway, doesn't matter. But you know, he says, look up. There's all these birds migrating. And he says, uh, there are a couple of things here that he brings out. He says, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. In other words, they're not worried about storing all this stuff up and make sure that we have, you know, we're good for the next 25 years. Okay, he says yet your heavenly father feeds them are you not of more value than they do we believe that now I need you to understand something that God loves all those little creatures listen to me he loves them but he loves you more do you get that If you were in Bible college, I would take you to a different place right now and talk about laziness. And we're not talking about laziness, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Because there's a verse in Proverbs. But anyway, we're not going to go there today. (laughs) Notice the word bonds there, okay? I want you to go to Luke chapter 12. This is what people tend to do. Luke chapter 12, I want to read from verses 16 through 21. We will do a part two of this, okay? I, I, was, I was going to try and get through this all today, and I'd forget about it. Okay, Luke, <laughs> Luke chapter 12, verse 16. And then he, that is Jesus, spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. Verse 17, And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? I know, I'll bless everybody. Is not what it says. (laughs) Verse 18. Now comes the way most people think. Not you, okay? But the world, all right? (laughs) So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build bigger. It costs money to pull down barns. And it costs money to build bigger barns. Watch now. All of this waste begins to happen. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. Verse 19. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20. So that's his plan. Here's what's going to (laughs) happen. Okay. But God said to him, Who said to him? Not some prophet. (laughs) Not somebody that went past and said, Thus saith the Lord. No. God said to him. Fool. I hope none of us in this category. This night, this night, Mm. your soul will be required of you. Can I just say this? Mm. Had he decided to be a blessing, I am convinced that that next thing wouldn't have happened. See, if you're here and you don't get it, if you're here and you decide you're gonna hoard it all for yourself, what use are you? Seriously. What's there to keep you here? You're not being a blessing to anybody, you're hoarding things that other people should have now. You're with me. See, God gives you an anointing and, you know, to bring increase so that you can be a blessing. Not so that you can hang on to all of it. The world says for you to hang on to all of it. What a selfish life that is. Think about it. As you give, you bless other people, and your life, listen to me, means more. Do you hear what I just said? Your life means more. You know, a lot of people say, The way you know the worth of a person, okay, is who who actually turns up for their funeral. Seriously. You help nobody, nobody will be there. Except all the people that have to be there. Do we have to go? (laughs) Okay. Okay. But you know what? Those people that other people help, they'll all turn up. They'll all be there. In fact, I remembered a story of a person that was of quite high stature that blessed people with what they had. They just always just looked after people, and they they, held, they did the exact opposite of this person. And when, they, when he died, there were so many people at his funeral, and there were so many people that were, uh, how can I put this, needy people. That looked at him and you know, were there at the grave and saying, now who's going to look after us? As much as they loved him, they realized that there was, that was an answer from God to them. That somebody cared about them. Somebody saw them. Somebody blessed them. Is that how you're going to be remembered? Is that what your life is going to be worth? Amen? Uh, this, our life isn't here just to do the best. See, this is where the world comes in again. It says, do the best, get the highest standard, get the best paid jobs, do all this stuff. You know, have it so it can just display it to everybody. All you're doing is satisfying the world. You're not doing anything for anybody else. Do you hear me? The world says wealth is all for you so you can be comfortable. God says, I'm giving you the power to get wealth so that you can be a blessing to other people. So that your life will mean more. Okay. Verse 20, he says again, but God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have have provided? Verse 21, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And can I say, can I add something to that and not rich towards other people? Amen. Amen. Verse 27, he says, which of you by warring can add one cubit, that's about 46 centimeters, I looked it up, (laughs) to his stature. (laughs) right. The word stature in the original Greek actually means adding time to one's lifespan, or to prolong life by even a short period of time. And why the New International Version translates translates Matthew 6.27 to say, who of you by warring can add a single hour to his life? Now I want to say this: Jesus is putting a firm limit to what worrying can do here, which is absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> and why William Hendrickson says a man may worry himself to death, but he cannot worry himself into a longer span of life. Can we all? Can I get an amen on that one? Thank you. All right. <clears throat> This actually completes the thought that Jesus began in the first part of verse 25 when he said, "Take no thought for your life," by showing how God cares for and provides for His creation. Now, what he's going to do is deal with the second issue addressed, and that is regarding your body and what you shall eat. And that's why he goes in to say now in verse 20, uh, 8, Matthew 6, 28, Matthew 6:28. So why do you worry about clothing? Now, <clears throat> this has been a, a problem ever since you know the Garden of Eden. When they realized they were naked. Do you know why they realized they were naked? Because they weren't before that. Have you noticed that everything has clothing of some description? You know, cats have fur and birds have feathers. and Everything has something. What happened to ours? Well, to find out what happened to ours, you need to see. When God said, let us create man in our image, in our likeness. Have you ever stuck a light bulb? In front of a mirror, and on this side of the mirror, the light—you know—it's—it's—it's it's, it's hooked up to electricity. Okay, it's shining, and on the other side of the mirror, you just see the light bulb. Hey, if it's shining on this side, it's shining on that side. Its image and likeness is the same. Otherwise, something wrong with the mirror. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so you need to understand that when we were created, we were created with clothing. It was God's glory all over us. Psalm tells us that we were crowned with glory and honor. We had clothing and we had status. Amen. And that's how come all the animals knew that that was their God in this earth. Because they saw the creator and they saw the creation and they looked identical. Image and likeness, image and likeness. Image and likeness, because mankind had a glow about them. They knew, whoa, <laughs> that's the boss. And then when we sinned, the glow went out. We got disconnected, and suddenly it was like whoop, you know, like the feather, like the bird, like the bird, and all the feathers fall off. Have you seen the little cartoon? And it suddenly goes whoop. <laughs> Uh, excuse me! One second. <laughs> kind of shuffles off to the. <laughs> okay, that's exactly what happened to us. The glory lifted, and suddenly all we can see is the light bulb. Okay, <laughs> and I won't go any further with that one. All right. So <laughs> he goes in verse twenty. He says, "Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow. Neither can they. Neither uh, they neither toil nor spin." And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Please hear Jesus speaking. I I don't want you to think about I'm reading scripture verses. Did you get what I just said? I really need you to hear the Lord. I really need you to hear You know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and said all of these things to us. God in flesh spoke to us. God in flesh says, listen, I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these little flowers. And verse 30, now if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you? And here's the problem of little faith. I, need, I don't want you to focus on the little faith, okay? I need you to focus on the fact that if God goes to so much trouble to look after things in His creation that have a very short lifespan, How much more is he going to love you, look after you, and protect you, and feed you, and clothe you, and everything else? How much more? Remember, your father feeds them. Your father will feed you. Your father has clothed all the flowers. Your father will clothe you. Amen? And that's why he goes in and says, therefore, do not worry. And now he uses the word saying, and I'm going to stop here and we'll pick this up next time. He says, therefore, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? Because out of the abundance of the heart, your mouth will begin to speak. You think about these things. All of this time, the person has been thinking about things. Now they've got to the place where they're verbalizing it. And when you verbalize things, Harmony, you have to be so careful because if it's coming from your heart, Jesus says you can have whatever you say. You can have it, whatever you're saying, that's what you're going to get. Oh, I'm going to say I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich. But you don't believe it. But when you sit there and go, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Now you're believing it. (laughs) Okay, that's the problem. See, a lot of people got this thing about confession and said, oh, well, uh, I'm rich, I'm rich, I have 10 oil fields. Like, you know how to look after one. <laughs> have you seen your house? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, listen, just saying that stuff isn't going to get it. It's what you say from deep down in here. That's what's going to start creating things and producing things in your life. Which is the reason why Jesus is saying, you've got to stop having this internal dialogue going on that's causing you to worry and stress and be distracted constantly to where there's no faith. The just shall live by faith, not by worrying. Amen? So that that internal dialogue changes. And that internal dialogue says, I don't care what it looks like. I know God loves me. I know God will look after me. I know God will feed me. I know God will clothe me. I know God has the very best for me because he says every good and perfect gift comes from him. That's what I know. And so I don't care what it looks like out here. I know this. And you will have whatever you say. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. Closed. Hallelujah. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you today for your word. And we thank you, Father, that what we are seeing and what we're learning right now is to not be distracted, not, uh, not to take our eyes off of you, especially not put it on the devil, but to keep our eyes on you, to understand Jesus himself said that we need to keep our eyes on you. He has reassured us that you care for us. You see us where we are right now. You know our situation more than even we know our situation. We think we know, but we don't know like you know. And you have seen and you have made a provision. And all we need to do is keep our eyes on you so that we can follow you to that provision and not be distracted and run off like Mary did trying to Make a provision. And we just thank you today, Lord, that we will live by faith. In Jesus' name, amen.